listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, yeah, Bill Maher is becoming one of my favorite conservatives. He and I disagree on the size and scope of government and a lot of other things. But when I watch his Friday night show, he's regularly saying what I'm thinking about a number of topics. And on this one, it had more to do with the way we're spending money in the economy. And looking at the economic factors right now, it feels like we're back in that headspace that will never run out of cash as long as the Fed doesn't run out of ink. I'm just saying, if we're going to do a new Roaring Twenties, let's do it this time without the two things that made the last one suck. Prohibition and a depression at the end of it. I am no money expert. I only turn on Jim Cramer to scare away the birds. <laughs> but it does seem like the market is a little divorced from reality these days. It's odd that the real economy has been full of news of unemployment, bankruptcies, and going out of business signs since COVID hit. And yet the S&P is up 76% in that time. It can't go on forever. We can't all win. It's not the ticket machine at Chuck E. Cheese. A share of GameStop isn't really worth more than a share of Toyota. To bail ourselves out of that depression, we spent over 10 years, over 10 years, 6% of our gross national product. To get out of COVID, we spent in one year 26%. The way we're handing out money, you would think it had an expiration date on it. In 2008, when the global economy was on the edge of collapse, Congress passed what was considered a massive bailout of $700 billion. So massive, over 100 protests broke out across the country. The Occupy Wall Street movement was born. Now, the word billion is so last decade. <laughs> Congress has passed $6 trillion to fight the war on COVID. $2 trillion more than we spent to win World War II. You know... The big one, four years of desperate fighting against a murderer's row of bad guys all over the world and under it. Not to mention this thing was kind of expensive to make. The bomb. All that. In today's dollars, four trillion. This, six trillion. Picture of a slacker on the couch. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Neither does anybody else. But man, there's just we're doing all kinds of unprecedented things. That's the stuff that worries me the most is the economists that say, you know, nobody's ever tried this before. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think it's too late. I'm half encouraged by the fact that even the WAPO was writing about this. Tony Rom, R-O-M-M. I don't know his act, uh, but he, he wrote a piece in the WAPO. Uh, the headline is Biden to unveil major new spending plans as Democrats eye bigger role for government. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a pretty frank piece about the tr- mind-boggling amounts of money being spent and how the Democrats, what's the line I liked? As well as the public's willingness to embrace the sizable tax increases on wealthy families and profitable companies that may be necessary to help finance the burst in federal spending. But you've got the spending and some of those stats that Bill Maher had there are just amazing Um you know, compared to other crises throughout history, including World War II. It's just absolutely amazing. 
But then you get, you know, you got all these unknowables that have never happened before. The number of people that are involved in the market that aren't professionals um, and the way that's affecting everything, the way investing happens with the whole, you know, uh, computers investing a million shares a half a second and all that sort of stuff, all those things that are new. Who knows how that's going to turn out? Like Bill Maher said, and it's absolutely true. It's just part of life. Everybody can't win, and it doesn't last forever. It, and, but but, but we're, we've been pretending like it is that way for quite some time when it comes to the stock market. And the interest rates are already so low, we no longer have that as a tool if the economy were to sputter or falter or whatever. So, yeah, that's an experiment. I like this note we got from frequent and insightful correspondent Amani. Talking about our previous discussions of this, uh, the, another four trillion in spending. It's almost like we're wandering through a dense fog with very little visibility, and we know there's an edge of a cliff out there somewhere. Instead of using extreme caution and carefully feeling our way through it, we're sprinting, sprinting, blindly running full speed, hoping things work out. No one knows how this will end. Many Americans think this is scary, but I'm sure China's kicking back, grinning ear to ear, watching the show as they snack on a bucket of popcorn. We might be heading toward the point of no return. We don't know. Nobody knows. Are we, the the people that are okay with this believe that we're such a giant, powerful economy and, uh, you know, everything's so good in terms of our growth that we can just absorb it? It's like if you're spending recklessly, but you got a really good income, you can cover it up. You can you can absorb it. Yeah, yeah. Well, experience has taught me, both in you know real life and politically speaking, that there is always an unknowable twist out there. You, you think you have all the facts, but you don't. Something is going to happen that fundamentally alters the trajectory of this of, of what you think is going to happen. And it's almost never like so great everything is perfect. What do you it's usually do? an impediment. What do you do if you have a world war on top of this? And you're already in this position or or another pandemic or whatever. If we had another pandemic it was worse, which is not impossible. What are we going to how many how many trillion dollars are we going to spend then? Some and, sort of tech driven perhaps uh, evil agent uh, driven collapse of the banking system. Right. I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah, possibility yeah. of things falling apart has always exist, but it seems like we're just, well, if you've ever been on the edge financially, and luckily I haven't been for many, many years, but if you're walking along the edge, it only takes, you know, your car breaking down to push you into some really bad territory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to, I hate to use the incredibly worn out metaphor, but it's like we're intentionally spending every single buck in our credit limit on our credit cards. Every single credit card is at the limit. And if we get any money, we immediately spend that to make sure we're still at the limit. And then thinking, yeah, but things are good. We'll be fine. I don't know. What's, uh, oh, and his stuff about the roaring twenties was kind of interesting. The setup to that, uh, cause I've, I've heard that term uh, a lot in the recent week about, you know, this could be another roaring twenties because the previous roaring twenties from the 1920s was also coming out of a pandemic and World War One, and uh, and and you know all kinds of sexual mores and partying and uh, wildlife spending. I need to do this and that uh, became popular. And are we about to head into that now, or are we already are already there? Certainly, the spending part. We haven't come yeah. out of the pandemic enough for people to 
run out into the streets and, you know, group orgies or whatever's going to happen. I don't know what the Roaring Twenties are going to look like this time around. You know, uh, what I was starting to say earlier was that uh, politicians have figured out they're never called to uh, account for what they've done. They're they're never forced to take responsibility after they've lost left office. Armstrong and Getty. Information. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Available everywhere. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. I was uh, listening to some rock and roll the other day, and uh, the Who's Won't Get Fooled Again came on. Oh, some of the best lyrics ever written. Meet was, the new boss, same as the old boss. One of my favorite phrases ever. Really, the entire lyric is great. It, it got brutally overplayed in the 70s and 80s to the point that I never wanted to hear it again, but now I do want to hear it again because it's brilliant. And Roger Daltrey has uh, not one but two of the greatest screams in rock and roll history, and I was listening to that and realized I never had the balls to write a song that included a scream like that. <laughs> um, do they write that on the li- Like, if I look at the lyric sheet, will it just, ah! Like, do, do they put that in the lyrics of the song, or is it just maybe something Maybe it just that- says, yeah. Although this is the kind of thing you work out in the studio, really. We yeah. need something here. Uh, but yeah, cause I can do a pretty good rock and roll scream, but never. Of course, my, my band is kind of more alt country than the who, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, Sean, you had a, uh, a, a fabulous, hilarious party question before we get into the bulk of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. This was, uh, tweeted by stand up comedian Jessime Peluso. Hilarious. Uh, she asks all of her followers, if your genitals had a famous voice, who would it be? And she claimed that hers would be Angela Lansbury. Oh, that's sophisticated. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> sophisticated and old. You ever seen uh, Angela Lansbury when she was, like, first a movie star? Knock out. She's melt-your-face beautiful. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Stunning. Like, is that a real human being? Almost like one of those Disney uh, cartoon princesses where they're just too pretty. It's ridiculous. Smoking, she wrote. Oh, yeah. Hat. Anyway. Uh, Dro- okay, so be the dog. <laughs> All right. Hi, Gills. You don't, you don't want to again. <laughs> I understand. I won't. I won't dignify this question. I will. Mine would be Frank Caliendo doing John Madden. Wow. Yeah. And I feel like that could also give me because now I got Caliendo, so I can pivot to all sorts of different impressions. Going with a comedy routine. Yeah. That humor is sexy. That reminds me of what were those guys that we had in. Are you gonna, studio. You're going to talk about the, the puppets? Puppetry the, of the, the penis. penis. Oh, right. Jeez. Yeah, Did you they, ever see them? They they were, uh, yes, they were quite the thing in my early radio career. They uh, You were in not person? the only show that yeah. interviewed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I Puppetry didn't even... of the penis. God, we couldn't <laughs> oh, do that right. now. that's right. They were Australian Aussies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we couldn't no. do that now, could we? They, nope. they they did their thing. He he would he contorts himself into various things. The yeah. Eiffel Tower, the sailboat, <laughs> hamburger, baby bird. Oh, that's right. Oh, you terrible. Terrible. Oh, yeah. terrible. And, and oh, he did God. it in the so studio. Disturbing. And they put like, uh, well, we you know we don't want to offend anybody, so we like put a curtain over the glass, and only coworkers, women who wanted to see it, came over and watched, and those who didn't want to see it didn't have to see it. Which I actually think is perfectly reasonable. Sure, but of course, that's perfectly reasonable. Do you want to see a guy's penis? No, then don't come over here. If you do, <laughs> then look the other way. Um, right. But uh, yeah. but now you couldn't do that at all. Canceled. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, the School of Rock reference was uh, Dave Grohl, I guess. Somebody I, asked I, I him. Don't, I don't like the tone of voice I used there. Maybe we should edit a different tone of voice. Uh, because I sounded like I'm really disappointed in America. <laughs> Can't go around contorting their penises into shapes for workplaces anymore. It. No, we're leaving that in. The tone was the tone was fine. <laughs> I act like that's Jack a real... wishes there was more visible penis in American workplaces. No, but I can't use the Just same... Just say it. I can't use the same tone of voice that I use for the schools shouldn't be closed. <laughs> for... And men can no longer contort their junk. What into... happened to America? <laughs> exactly. I thought this was America. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> Fair enough. So somebody apparently asked Dave Grohl uh, what three albums he would choose if he was doing a music class. I happened to see uh, a chunk of the School Rock the other day, the uh, Jack Black movie. Mm -hmm. I've I've never seen the whole thing for the the usual reason. I had a house full of babies when it was a big hit, but um, it's charming. It's utterly charming. It's a good movie. I can see why people like it. They've done some uh, reunion concerts with the kids and Jack Black again and stuff, too. That's uh, fun. Yeah. 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 Uh, Go ahead. Let's roll Dave Grohl. You're going to want to get... The Beatles, Sergeant Peppers. One reason is because that album still connects the way it did the day it came out. Now, if you want to be a drummer, you're going to want to get the ACDC album Back in Black. That is like, that is rock and roll drumming 101. A third album, I do like to dance. Let's just go with Saturday Night Fever. Like, look, if you put Saturday Night Fever on, it's going to feel like Saturday night. It could be a Monday morning. So uh, I would have to go with those three albums. Wow, that's kind of funny. Yeah, I would love to teach some sort of worthless two-credit college class about uh, music, rock music. Not any more worthless than the music. I took a rock and roll history class in college. It was just a complete waste of time. The guy, mm. he was an old hippie. He, you know, his, his teenage years were the 60s. And he just acted like everything the Beatles and Bob Dylan did was um, the apex. Well, no, it was just he took it way too seriously. Changed I, I like, the world. Yeah, changed the world. Yeah. I, I like talking about music. I like music. But sure. Let's not pretend that we, you know, we cured cancer here with various right. songs. Sure. Yeah, the world seemed to do a pretty good job changing in the 19-teens, for instance. Yeah. 1936, there were a fair number of changes, and Bob Dylan wasn't there. Hey, the world uh, just changes. Have you ever heard the Phil Collins, George Harrison story? I just read it yesterday for the first time. Are you aware of that? I don't think so. I couldn't I tell. I actually thought, I thought, is this like the story Joe said? Yeah, I heard that 40 years ago. Or So Phil Collins, when he was 19 years old, played bongos or little drums on a George Harrison song. George Harrison, one of the Beatles, when he when he his first solo album, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and uh, so a night in 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 a nineteen year old Phil Collins got invited to play, I think bongos on one of the songs, and nineteen, jeez. And when the album came out, Phil Collins, who was a nobody, uh, heard it and the bongos weren't on there, and he just ah oh, crap, you know they didn't use my they didn't use my stuff. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really think about it. Then he ends up being a big giant star and meets George Harrison many 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 years later, like. 40 years later or something like that. Um, and oh, it couldn't have been that long ago because George Harrison has been a while. But anyway, it was decades later. Uh, he meets George Harrison. He says, hey, I know this is, sounds crazy, but I got to ask you. When I was 19 years old, I participated in the, this song, and I played the song, and it never made the cut. And I don't know what he said. And George Harrison said, man, I got all the master tapes. Um, I could probably figure it out for you if you really want to hear it. 
Uh, wow. Or and <laughs> and Phil Collins, that'd be pretty cool. So a while later, he gets in the mail, he gets the master tapes of the recording session of this song, and and he puts it on and he listens to it, and at the end, it kind of it's kind of stops at one point, and then George Harrison says, "Hey, what is that noise?" What is going on over there? And they said, oh, that's the bongo thing. He said, God, get rid of that. Whatever that is, that is terrible. <laughs> um, so Phil Collins calls George Harrison back and says, thanks for saying it. He said, this is kind of funny. I don't know. Did you listen to that before you sent me? And George Harrison, no, no, I don't know. Um, he said, well, you actually are on there saying it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then George Harrison lets him know that he brought in a band, re-recorded the song, like the day before, and made all this up. He put in oh, some bongos. Oh, it was all and then says, "What are those bongos? That's terrible." <laughs> he just said, "I don't have any master tapes of that stuff." What are you talking about? <laughs> what? Oh my god! <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? That is great. And he went to all the work to re-record one of his famous just songs. A dick with Phil like Collins a cover band, just to pull one over on Phil Collins. I need to <laughs> drastically readjust my favorite Beatles rankings. That is a hilarious yeah. joke. That's oh my great. God. It would take oh. a tremendous amount of effort unless you're a gazillionaire with a recording studio I'm and lots sure. of musician oh. friends. But how funny is that? And the ability to <laughs> replicate, you know, an incredible recording session, too, more or less. <laughs> Those bongos suck. <laughs> That's freaking hilarious. I know it. That's one of the funniest pranks I've ever heard. Wow. That's great. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Available everywhere podcasts are given away because we're stupid. Before we get to whatever Joe's nonsense is, Sean, are you willing to share that news? Or is it a secret at this point? Um, I Yeah, I, yeah, I can talk about it. Or you it. can be vague or you can be specific. No, I can Speak talk about it. Speak up, long hair. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, it looks like Jesus now. So, uh, yeah, I've talked about the uh, the NBA Top Shots thing, the kind of digital basketball cards, your non fungible tokens, which I seems like get it seems like witchcraft or something. But now all of this is still exists in the theoretical. Um, there are still a couple steps that need to be taken for this to actually come true. But there's a chance that I hit a five figure kind of payday on on one of my moments. Five figure. What? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Zero and zero 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 four. Right. The z- the reason including is- decimals, many figures. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. The reason is interesting, though. So uh, I I happen to get into one of these pack raffles where they have a limited number of packs and you have to get randomly number assigned and only a certain number of people get. I happen to quote unquote win the quote-unquote right to give this company money and buy a pack from them. I did so, and the rare card that I pulled, the serial number happened to coincide with the jersey number of the player that it represents, which for <laughs> reasons, like the, the the most valuable serial number of these things is usually the number one because sure. it's the first minted, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. The second most valuable serial number on all these just happens uh, tends to be the jersey number of the player from said moment. You know, I'm. You know more about this than I do. I have no expertise, but my guess would be, don't think it's going to be more valuable five years from now <laughs> than it is mm. now. Oh, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I am more than happy to take uh, the 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 bottom end of the range of this payout. Should but it be five anywhere figures, close? Figures, wow. Yeah, yeah. 
And how do you know the rough figure? Uh, based off precedent of other cards and other uh, similar rarities. So this is a card that only, there's only about 2,000 of this card in total. So you compare it to other card uh, that have that same number of quantity. And I'm guessing the player matters, and it's in the range of some other the, the players. The player matters, but this is not an all-star player. Okay, like, this, is, this is a young guy wow. who may be good at some point, but this isn't like... like a, you, not being an NBA diehard, you two probably wouldn't know who but this guy so is. So just the fact that the, the, the jersey number matches the serial number is the yeah. main thing. Yeah. Okay, there you go. You know what, kids? Don't work hard. Don't get a job. Don't get an education. Just figure out what the the, the latest internet craze is and jump in on it. Jack was trying to give me credit with something. Well, uh, th- this is preparedness meets opportunity. That's what it is. <laughs> and I tried to correct him that no, this is more like degenerate falls face first into good fortune. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, in theory, this will all cash the same. Well, when I was stamp collecting as a as a kid, because that's what passed for fun in my world. Um, <laughs> You know, you'd have the misprint stamps that were worth so much money and everything like that. Why? There's, there's no logical reason. It's rare. Rarity. Okay, big deal. Uh, but, but it was. And if, if people are trading it for that amount of money, then it is worth that much. And it's just, you know, it sounds like the same sort of thing to me. So, yeah. I was once in possession of an extremely rare penny in which Abraham Lincoln was smoking a cigarette. <laughs> wow. How did that <laughs> one work? $50,000. And I accidentally put it into a vending machine. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see if one of these idiot hobbies actually uh, pays off for me uh, in <laughs> some be, way. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Parents, it, it, take one quarter of what you were going to spend on your kid's college education and just give them that cash to gamble on Internet crazes. <laughs> I actually think that's a better idea than uh, it might seem at first glance. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see yeah. that. I'll be damned. So we got this note from uh, Janice, who is very angry. <clears throat> I was so furious when I woke up to your open this a.m. Oh, like our, our opening segment. Uh, inferring Queen Elizabeth and the royal family are racists. QE2 doesn't have a racist bone in her body. Her last equerry, i.e. closest advisor, was black, which is neither here nor there. Well, some of her best friends are black. You have preached how hurtful and dangerous it is to throw around accusations of racism. This is exactly what is happening here. Well, the queen is not worried about brown babies. Well, somebody was, according to Harry, but um, I don't really think the Queen is worried about what I say about her, and I certainly don't care what I say about her. Um, <laughs> so you're apologizing then? <laughs> I take full responsibility. <laughs> but this this part I like, unless you want to comment on that. Uh, my only comment would be we got one of us said it, or somebody said it, or something like that. Apparently got imply or infer backwards, and somebody was very upset about that, and she said inferred. So imply, inferred is you hurt, you were taking it that way. Implied yes. is you're sending it that direction. So yes, we got to make sure we get that right. The speaker implies the listener infers. There you go. Thank you very much. Latest internet billionaire, positive Sean. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> this this part is true. Besides, uh, her oh, besides her mother, Meghan Markle is totally estranged from her entire family and has now managed to estrange her husband from his. Ooh, ooh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. You take mm. that out of the world of the royals and just make that regular people. I've known those people. Mmm, that's pretty good right there. 
You Wait cut a yourself off. You have conflict with everybody, but you pick one ally. But then you have to have their undivided attention, too, which means you have to cut them off from their family. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. You just observe it. So, shh, he, I'll go with he on this one. He's got no relationship with his family, marries her. Now she can't have a relationship with her family, apparently, yeah. Some because of something. Seems like a heck of a coincidence. Something that in this, we're changing the sexes here, but yeah. something that he's at the middle of. Yeah. She has to cut off her family. Uh, our correspondent goes on to write, it is fine, you are proud to not care about the royal family, but you do have to recognize a 39-year-old woke axe grinder when you see one. I think he's legitimately in love with and has kids with, as you said earlier, so I, I hope everything works out for them. I hope they stay married and raise the kids properly. He seems like a good dude. I think he uh, fell in love with a crazy hottie, though, and is going to make her life make his life difficult, and at some point he'll look back on this and think, oh, my God. She made my life very difficult. I hope mm-hmm. not. I hope yeah. not. Yeah, well, it could be her great skill, because uh, as far as I know, she's no better actor than anybody else is and whatever. But um, her great skill is uh, her womanly wiles. She landed a prince. The other way to look at it would be everything he's saying is legit. The royal family thing is stupid. Why mm-hmm. would anybody want to have that life? It doesn't make right. any sense whatsoever. It's a trap. Anybody who would allow their kids to grow up in that is really not a very good parent, probably. So, yeah, that all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Janice, I'm sorry you're pissed off at us. Uh, I think you're taking our uh, our uh, hijinks a little too seriously, but we appreciate the thoughts. Anyway, yeah, that's a good point. I appreciate you think that our opinion matters enough that anybody could be offended. But, um, you know, at, at a high level, actually, the more I think about it, you look at William and Kate Middleton and their kid being born and all the pictures and the first time they're seen in their Easter clothes and that sort of stuff. Who would want that for their child? Oh, my God. If I'm Harry, I do everything I can to get away from that. Now, the key will be um, how much we see of their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, if we start seeing a lot of their kids, I mean, because they're sitting down for interviews to say we don't want to be. But even then, isn't there a little bit more of this is on our terms? Sure. Aspect of it. Yeah. Sure. And they can control those terms. Yeah. No you know, one of the interesting things about the interview, to the extent that it was interesting, was she wanted to make various decisions about the wedding and the child and the rest of it and was told, no, no, you don't make that decision. You, no, you do what you're told. And she thought, wow, I'm a grown-ass woman. I'm about to have a child, and I'm being told what I can and can't do. What is this? Hey, just for fun, play uh, clip two. It's short, but it's Prince Ari. My father and my brother, they are trapped. They don't get to leave. And I have huge compassion for that. He said at some point, I used to, he said something about talking to his dad, Prince Charles, and uh, he said, and, and we argued about this quite a while, as long as he was taking my calls, till he stopped. Implying, as I inferred, he, he, that yeah. uh, his dad stopped taking calls from him. Yep, yep, his dad has cut him off, he says. So, won't won't pick up the phone. Um, Put the phone to his jug ears. So are they, what is their... Uncalled for. Uncalled for. What are their last names? What's the Queen's last name? She's part of Windsor? which family? Are they, they're Windsors. The they're not Tudors. Tudors. 
They're four doors. So Windsor's That's is it, a sedan. Do do Windsor's go back to anybody like we've heard of? Like King Henry the Eighth was a two door, I believe. The first oh. Queen Elizabeth, I think, was a two door. I'm checking for or, or to a, give or a hatchback. Nope, I'm, I'm fresh out. One of them was a hatchback. Um, no, the reason I would give a if I was one is if I could trace my lineage back to you know. Somebody was involved in the conquest of this or the beheading of that person or whatever. That'd be pretty damned interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get on the genealogy train. Woot, woot. It'd be a lot easier if you're a freaking royal. There are a million books and castles and everything, you know, outlining your your, your lineage. You don't have to do 23 and me. No, no, my Plus, you're all fun. inbred. So your cousin's your brother and your brother's your uncle. <laughs> That's right. And if you get cut, you get a paper cut and you bleed to death. <laughs> exactly. Skin's translucent. There's no way to be, man. You're trapped. God, imagine what they do all day. Some of your lesser royals. Imagine what they do all day long. Freaking nothing. How incredibly insane would that make you? Yeah, I said a lot of them do charity work. You know, even even though even if you're doing charity work, yeah, exactly. But you got nothing you have to do. You ride to the hounds. You slapping up an uh, uppity peasant. Oh, boy. You ride fancy horses. You, you shoot at foxes. You probably drink out of fancy glasses. And you convince you yourself. Up the maid. And you convince yourself that somehow this is important for the nation and the people. And it's important that I do this. That, that seems to be what William has taken on. Is that this is important for the, the country of England is that we do this and be their royal family. And I think they're greatly misguided in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'd love to ask him that someday. Don't you think the country would be better off without this silly tradition? No offense, you seem like a good egg, but, I mean, who, who you were born to? Who the hell cares? Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. And then one more thing here. Um, I had not even heard of this, but the reason I'm willing to do this story is was like a month ago when Sean handed me the story, uh, are air fryers worth the hype? And I'd never even heard of an air fryer. And uh, it turns out, according to Sean and Joe, they are worth the hype. They're fantastic for cooking very handy so i should get one of those however this one which i'd also not heard of the insta famous always pan is not worth the hype the always pan is inescapable it says here well i've managed to escape it <laughs> me too i've never heard of this thing whatever it is uh-huh if you're on instagram you're hitting a, a non-stop stream of ads for the pastel colored cookware that claims to do it all you can't be on Instagram or social media without coming across the always Looking pan. Looking at French-built bulldogs. <laughs> Apparently, I have been able to be on social media and not come across the always pan. I'm having trouble figuring out what it is. Sean thinks he's nailed it down. So it's designed to replace the eight traditional pieces of cookware. It, it, it replaces the, the fry okay. pan, the saute pan, the steamer, the skillet, the saucier, the saucepan. I don't know what the difference between those two things are. Uh, okay, yeah. um, uh, it, and now it makes sense. So I'm looking at the picture. It's supposed to be really well, well made and a particularly great version of nonstick. And it's got, I don't know if I can describe it, but the way it's built, it can be all different sizes in one pan and like a strainer and everything else. You just buy this How? one thing. They're kind of like... Am uh, I Harry Potter over here or what? Uh, 
like um, um, those. Change Panis. Excuse me. Be careful with that spell. <laughs> exactly. Why do I have a different penis now? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Panis. Whose penis is this? Hey, I think so I like sorry. this. So sorry, Ron. <laughs> I think I like this one better. So that worked out all right. So it appears to be just kind of a a larger than your typical um, like big skillet. So if you want to put some water in the bottom and put the steamer thing in it, it can also be a steamer. Well, and it looks to me like it's got a uh, Russian nesting doll sort of thing, too, yeah, yeah. where you got like the slightly smaller ones fit exactly in there, but they can all just be one piece, or you can take a couple out and all of a sudden it's bigger. So Skillets and iced tea. <laughs> so there you go. They always spend. But anyway, their, their conclusion, it is not worth the hype. It's about 145 bucks. And in theory, it would be all of your cookware in one pan, but they say it's not worth the hype. And it's something to do with soft gel cookware that I don't know anything about that people like, but it doesn't last very long, and most consumers say they would never buy again. So that's a consumer tip for the day. Uh, At least this publication says soft gel cookware is not a good idea. I stand by my air fryer. You, As does Joe, who cooked. What did you say you cooked in it? Uh, we had uh, chicken like uh, tenders, uh, yeah, nice red strips of chicken. You eat things without knowing what they are. Well, no, I couldn't remember what they're called. They're oh, little okay. strips of chicken with the breading on them. I but thought you just sat down and started shoving food in your mouth without asking well, what it is, or does even this fry put it in, or even thinking what it is, and you just eat it, and then you walk away from the t- table. I have done that. I didn't in this case. <laughs> I would suggest though they have they have really good toaster ovens that have also the air fryer capability and that's probably a better investment than unless you have an unlimited amount of counter space you know just get a, upgrade your uh, your toaster oven i wonder if it'd work because my wife makes a lot of these um uh, uh like not breaded but the fried vegetable things that the kids will oh, then yeah. eat and she just you know every vegetable she throws in there and they're freaking fantastic and kind of healthy-ish because she uses the right oil and all that sort of stuff but um, it's a great way to get kids to eat those vegetables, though, because there's usually teriyaki vegetables. Yeah, buddy. Cucumbers and all kinds of different things. Carrots. Oh, I love those. I need a plate of those right now. Would you make those in an air fryer? Or would I, suppose, I use my yeah. or would I use my hype free always pan? <laughs> I've, oh, no. I've exhausted I've, my knowledge of this crap. I've heard people saying they they do cook vegetables in the air fryer. I have not yet to do that because I can't find them in my freezer section. The vegetables? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm looking by the Hot Pockets, but they're not there. Huh. Our uh, our uh, youngest son with his various health issues doesn't eat anything but like a couple of different things that aren't particularly healthy. And the doctor said the other day, or at least the psychologist said the other day, don't worry about it. And, just, and man, I can't tell you what a relief that was to have the doctor say, just let him eat the three things he eats. Because mm-hmm. it's an all-day, everyday battle to try to yeah. get him to eat something else. And they just say, okay, doctor says it's fine. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. Have your dang yogurt, the same cereal, and and uh, whatever else. Oh, your granola bar. All day, every day. Fine. Doctor says it's okay. Yeah. Could yeah, you do that okay. the rest of your life, though? Or would your skin turn a weird pallor and your hair fall out? I'm willing to try. <laughs> I, I think I think probably you'd be self-correcting. At some point, he'll he'll want other things. Haven't you always said your brother ate nothing but hot dogs for a long time, and he turned and out pink right. milk? Yep. What's pink milk? Strawberry, strawberry oh. milk. Yeah. yeah. Wow, it, hot dogs and strawberry milk does not sound like a great diet. 
No, that's all he would eat from ages like uh, seven, eight. That's really? Like, for like hilarious. T- for two years, <laughs> only hot dogs and pink milk. Yeah, my parents were really freaked out by it, and he's, he's yeah. like 6'2", a strapping naval officer at this point, well, although okay. he is pink. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, he's as, as, as pink as a pink thing. <laughs> pink is a, a, a cotton candy. <laughs> I'll have to tell Lodged my wife, in his skin cells. I'll have to tell my wife that. She'll like that, knowing that a guy who ends up, you know, being in the military and everything like that had strawberry milk and hot dogs for two years. Uh, we'll be less worried about Henry. That's funny. Yeah, he's big, strong, and smart as hell. So there you My have final it. story on that is my younger brother, who is a much bigger than me now, um, he, he really liked raw hot dogs. And, like, one of my biggest memories of him, because he was quite a bit younger than me, was walking around the house in a diaper, holding a cold hot dog in his hand, eating on it. He would he would just go to the fridge and open the fridge and get the hot dog out of the package and eat him cold. And he just why not? Like it was a microphone. I, I and believe, just walk around eating it all. I the believe time. I did that when I was a kid too. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Final note from me. Uh, see how you like this. Why do French bulldogs plant trees so that the German shepherds can march in the shade? <laughs> What do you think? <laughs> I like you were a child. <laughs> it wasn't great. 